0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Melina Lee Williams Haas. I deeply appreciate you listening and taking the time to hang out. I'll be addressing issues of life, the universe, and everything that often are bogged down and mired in shame and grief, and talk about how they can be repackaged to be useful and gorgeous and fucking awesome for you. So sit back and relax, or sit up and freak out, however you prefer to listen. Come join me. Back in the mid-90s, I first came out into the real-time kink, leather, and BDSM communities. And it was a multi-stage process for me when I first started suspecting I was kinky. It was in 1993. That's an episode for another day. There was a guy, he was from England, It was complicated, but at the end of that, I wound up saying to myself, okay, I think that what I need is out there. I just need to go and find it and figure this out. So thankfully I was hanging out with a bunch of rocket scientists, literally, who were the folks who had pretty much invented email and the internet. And I was able to get online at a very early uh, stage of the development of the internet. And at that point, it went from nerds using the internet and email to communicate about work to nerds using the internet and email to communicate about sex. And so what you had were these online forums, these discussion groups. And a friend of a friend of a friend turned me on to Uh, I think alt.sex.bondage was the code for one of the first rooms that I ever went into and lurked around and saw folks talking about kink and power exchange and master and slave relationships and so much that really just piqued my interest. I was just so drawn in and so riveted and a little bit afraid, but I knew that at that point I had taken myself to the ripe old age of, what was I, 25, 26 at that point point. And I felt like if I had survived growing up in New York, moving to and living in LA, I could probably do this. And I was cautious and careful enough to make sure that I took my time. One of the things that I did when I first started discovering SM was I was incredibly cautious and conservative. I read what I could find. And at the time there were maybe two or three books out. It was not the unbelievable cornucopia of filth and education and knowledge that we have today. So I read what I could. I joined a bunch of chat rooms. Then we had a website, uh collar that was around that came out. People were on there looking for love as we are wont to do, regardless of what our bent is. And there was another website, alt.com, which was the kinky adult website, spin on Friend Finder, the Friend Finder network, which then of course went from Friend Finder to adult Friend Finder to alt.com, which was supposed to be specifically geared towards kinky people. And so I went on to this website, started putting up my little profile, talking to dominance and flirting with various people and finally wound up hooking up with, virtually at least, a man who introduced himself as a dominant and someone who seemed very interesting to me and whom I was very interested. And since he was looking to take things at a slow and cautious pace, this was perfect for me. I thought, this is really great and really wonderful for the first couple of weeks and then a couple of months. And then I finally said, you know, I think it would be great for us to meet for coffee and to hang out. Uh, you know, we've, we've been chatting. I think an in-person public place meetup would be great. And then there started coming the excuses. And then my spidey sense started tingling. And of course it wound up that this person was married and fooling around on the side, which for me was okay because I was done with this motherfucker. Anyway, I'll tell you that right now, because I had finally tapped into and had worked up the courage to do kink meetings real time. There are what we call munches in the leather community and a munch. Is an event that takes place at a non kink or sex related venue. It's just a bunch of perverts getting together for dinner or for lunch or for brunch or whatever in a completely relaxed environment it's a really good social place for people to get together and meet other folks and so i worked up the nerve to finally go to a munch i had been chatting with dozens of people over the past year or so at that point and i and i knew people by reputation and i knew people by their posts and i had worked uh, towards having actually online friendships with several people so by the time i walked into my first munch i knew at least virtually so many folks who were involved in that local community and the local community in San Francisco, which is where I was living when I first came out into leather and BDSM real time was a hotbed of activity at the time. It was one of the flashpoints for um, alternative communities of all stripes. You had the men's leather community, which had a strong history in the Bay Area, and the women's leather community, which also had a very long and, and, and amazing history in the Bay Area. And so it was great to be able to walk into this munch and meet the folks who had been literally making history in the alternative lifestyle scene. It was remarkable. The few books that were out there on the topic, here were the folks who were writing them. This was such a vast and amazing wealth of knowledge that was right there, right in front of me. These were the folks who were teaching the classes. These were the people who were writing the books and articles. These were the folks who were the founders of the organizations that at this point had been around for decades. And I was able to hang out with them. And sort of, you know, get from the lion's mouth that information, that inspiration. And it was so terrific for me, especially coming into those early years, those first few wobbly steps into this arena. Kudos and shout out to all those folks, because even the folks who wound up being thorns in the side and pitfalls and traps for me to fall into or work myself around, I... I'm so grateful for everything I learned and everything that helped me to grow in the scene. If we fast forward to today and I look around and I see, you know, COVID-19 aside, the way that the BDSM communities have developed in the intervening years is that those folks, a lot of those people who were around and available to me personally when I first came in, aren't really around as much anymore. Some have... Died straight up. Some people just passed away from from age or illness or you know accident, Um, and so that resource is being lost. And I realized for myself that not that I took it for granted, but I was acutely aware, exactly on the on the other side, how much of a loss it would be as folks sort of aged out of the scene. And then I realized, oh my gosh, someday if I stick around, I might be that person who's written the books and taught the classes. <laughs> and now folks are coming in looking to me for advice or help or or knowledge or, or whatever else. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty hefty responsibility, I thought, to bear. And I was... Not thinking of myself as someone who would become that type of person at all because I figured there's so many people fighting and struggling to try to have a foothold in this community. I'm just going to be over here getting my ass beat, enjoying my life. It's great. It's fun. Terrific. But time rolls on regardless of what you want to do or you want to say. The internet blew up from those early days of, of chat rooms and ICU and and what was it, ICU, ICP? I C E. What was? What the hell was that? Oh my god! I'm so old. I can't even remember the fucking term for that old show. What the hell was it? Oh my god! It's gonna make me crazy. Anyway, um, when we were chatting on on. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out: Should I stop? Should I do this again? I don't fucking know. Whatever. This is. This is. I'm not gonna sweat it. If you remember what it is, put it in the comments. Um, so, <laughs> when we were having these chats online, so much has developed this since then. So much knowledge is readily available to everyone. It is far more egalitarian. You do not have to work up the nerve to walk into a room full of strangers, plop yourself down, and try to glean that knowledge. It's out there. There are books and websites and films and entire dissertations that have been written. So we have this access to this knowledge. Hopefully it will not all be lost in the midst of time. What I do wonder is, though, with the egalitarian nature of information and how we all have access to it, I wonder if we are losing touch with that resource. I realize for myself, now that I'm not the youngest person in the room, and please understand, when I first came in the scene, I was in my mid-twenties, and that was shockingly young. There were so few people under the age of 30 in the kink, leather, and BDSM scene when I first got involved in the mid-90s. It was freaky, so I, I felt kind of like the the chicken in the room often. Um, in the intervening decades between now and then, that number has shifted downwards immensely. There was actually uh, a moment in time where there had to be a reckoning between whether or not we were going to have parties that permitted people between the ages of 18 and 21. It wasn't even about the alcohol, but because most of these parties didn't serve alcohol, right? But there was the issue of sure, 18 is the age of majority and that shouldn't be a problem. But the cutoff point was 21 because that sort of 18, 19, 20 year old vibe as people were sort of coming into their own sexually was creeping out some older folks. They were like, you know what? I have a college age kid. I'm feeling a little weird about being at a sex party with someone that age. And what started happening was the younger folks in those demographics were saying, you know what, your discomfort is not our problem. We have a right to be here. This is our space as well. And so it blew up and exploded and blossomed into a scene that had a great deal more diversity. Now, in terms of age, which I think is terrific, if folks are looking to explore and they are legally able to do so, they should be able to legally do so in an environment where people are hopefully striving for consent and openness and and all of that. But then you start to get these interesting situations where um, I wonder if the broader ageism of, of default society, the default world, is hampering us in our growth as a community. The fact that youth and beauty is always held up as the ideal, and perhaps old age and treachery is sort of just pushed to the side eventually, makes me wonder if we're missing out on how it is to grow older within a sex positive community. And I came up, as I mentioned, in the community in San Francisco. So I lived there 15 years doing that, moved back to the East Coast. And so I am a New Yorker again and involved as much as I can be in the scene in New York. I've also traveled extensively in mostly in Europe, uh, some travels as well in Australia, exploring the communities as they are all over the world. And a trend that I'm seeing that I find fascinating is that older folks oftentimes will sort of just bow out and and kind of go into a lower key mode, you know, standby mode maybe <laughs> as they're getting older. And why is that? We'll be right back after a little breather and One of the things I'll say I've noticed the difference is that on the West Coast, I feel that a lot of the communities, a lot of the organizations, a lot of the spaces are maintained and held by people who've been around for a long time. So you have a somewhat older demographic of folks who are the people who are greeting folks on the way in. They're the ones running the clubs. They're the ones who are writing the newsletters. They're the ones who are running the parties. And so you have a, a what, what is my observation? Of course, everyone's experience is going to be different. Your mileage may vary, yada, yada. But I did not feel as I got older in the community on the West Coast, that my place was compromised. I did feel that there was room for me there. There were several folks who were quite a bit older than one, than what one might expect to see at a sex party. I will never forget one of the most joyous scenes i ever saw was a lady who i found out later was was in her late 70s i can't remember exactly she was maybe 76 77 sometime in some some point in there told everyone how old she was she was not trying to disguise her age and there she was proudly with her latex Frickin corset on, and her she was a rubber person, um, and had this little young slave who she was just flogging as hard as she could, and then you know quipping and throwing jokes over her shoulder. And this to me, as a person in their mid twenties, I said, "Holy cow! How remarkable is this? That someone is so full of life, and not so not just so full of life, so full of life and sexual energy and happiness, and just." It was so amazing to see someone so full of joy and happiness and sexual energy just beating the crap out of this guy. And I said to myself, I really feel like I can be here. This is a place for me. It will be my place. And, and it won't matter when I'm old and wrinkly because I'll still be welcomed. And there will be people who will look to me when I'm that old wrinkly lady, you know, getting my ass beaten going. Oh, yeah, there's Millie. you know, she's been around since the mid 90s. And then I moved back home to New York and uh, started my relationship with my now husband and owner. And he, being new to the scene, was extremely eager to go and start exploring and figuring out where he could find a space in the scene. And he is a bit older than I am. I'm in my, uh, I'm 52 and he is, he'll be 68 this year. But a spryer and spunkier 68 years old, uh, person you will not meet. Let me tell you, keeping up with this guy is like trying to keep up with an 18 year old. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> uh, but I will never forget walking into a party that was touted as being this inclusive and wonderful sex positive space. And there were a lot of younger people there. And as I looked around, I realized, gosh, my husband, my owner, Georg and I are by far the oldest people there. And at first I said, well, that's okay. You know, that's, someone's got to be the oldest person in the room, right? Not a big deal. No worries. And we were walking around the space looking for a place where maybe we could, you know, do a little spanking, nothing super serious. We were just sort of settling into the party vibe and trying to see what we were going to do, where we were going to hang out. And we found a sort of an alcove to one side and you know, set up and got cozy and started doing a little spanking. And the way I was facing and the way my partner was facing, we could see people as they were coming in and or out of the room. Um, Some people wanted to pass through because there were other rooms beyond where we were. Or sometimes people would just walk around and and watch scenes as they unfolded. There was a scene happening in the room right next to us where uh, someone was getting fisted, I believe. But the sounds and the energy coming from that room were very titillating for many folks. And so there were quite a few people crowding into that room to take a look and see what was going on. And then some of those people would turn to continue exploring and see what was going on in our room. And the first couple of people who walked in turned and walked back out immediately. And I thought, okay, well, you know, if they don't want to watch, that's, that's entirely their prerogative. And then another couple walked in the room and immediately flinched, like just stopped in their tracks and and practically ran out, just backed out of the room immediately. And I thought, well, that's, well, that's odd. Okay, fine, but whatever. But the pattern continued and repeatedly folks who came into the room ostensibly looking for something sexy to watch, uh, averted their eyes and left the room. And so we wound up being alone in this room for the entire duration of our of our scene. Um, and then as we tried to sort of mingle later in the party, no reciprocity, no eye contact, no nothing. And I began to realize, I, I knew it at first, but you know, when you're trying to enjoy your sexy time and the last thing you want is to have it hijacked by some kid who's terrified of seeing a fat middle-aged lady getting her ass beaten in front of them. Yeah. It was a little, it was a little jarring, a little unsettling. Uh, when we got home, we just, I, I, I said to my partner, I said, this was, so uncomfortable. I don't think I ever want to do that again. But being the eternal optimist and, and being uh, someone who himself enjoys being around other people's sexual energy, we tried again. And in probably, I think, five or six different parties, a uh, couple more at the same venue and a couple at other venues, it was very, truly, deeply disheartening to see how few older people were there. You know, if you were in your forties, you were sort of at the end of the demographic. And if you were in your fifties or sixties, God forbid, people were wondering how, A, how the hell you were still alive, I guess. And B, why the fuck you were even there? Um, it was, it was, it was so disappointing and in a way really humiliating. And I started to feel really, uh, self-conscious, which is not a thing I ever thought I would experience. After going through years of trying to normalize sex to normalize myself and wave the flag of body positivity and say all people at all sizes are not only welcome, but entitled to feel sexy and loved and wonderful in their bodies, it's critical to, to emotional health, right? And so here are these parties where you walk in trying to be who you are and are just faced with people who just don't want to see you there. As I expanded my search to look for other parties that might be more inclusive, I realized that there were many parties in the tri-state area that were not only non-inclusive, they were deliberately exclusive You would have to send in full body shots of yourself. You would have to send in pictures of your face, of your butt, of your genitals, practically, you know, not really, but you know what I mean. Um, Basically, so that whoever the people who were the arbiters of taste for these particular events could decide whether or not you were worthy of even walking in the fucking door. And... They absolutely, of course, have the right to do so. And I have the right to say, wow, this is absolutely everything that is away from and apart from what I believe our communities should be doing and could be doing, which is reaching out and helping people to live better and healthier and happier lives. Instead of trying to shoot for some eyes wide shut bullshit that everyone fucking thinks is what uh, a hot sex party is. A hot sex party is people who love themselves, loving on other people. That's it. (laughs) And it's really hard to love yourself and love on other people when someone is scowling and backing out of the room when they see you naked. So is there anything we can do to shift that paradigm, to shift that? There is. Um, but I think it's just going to take time. I think there's always going to be folks who don't understand that part of what we do is when we commit to this lifestyle and say, yeah, we're going to be freaky, we're going to be kinky is that we don't give ourselves an expiration. We don't say, well, until it becomes undignified or until we feel like we're too old to be perverts and to want to fuck, because I don't believe that for many people, that's something that they age out of. They just want to be present. They want to have that sensuality. They want to have that connection. And we are all, Oh God, we're just, we're such sensual and amazing and wonderful beings. And it just breaks my heart to know that there are folks who are truly feeling that pain of being rejected or being told either, who you're faced directly or by action or inaction that who you are is no longer acceptable is no longer sexy is not okay so I'm here to tell you fuck those guys you are <laughs> first and foremost but also you know maybe a call to action perhaps what we need to do is to specifically create groups for folks who are not feeling like they're welcome elsewhere why don't we have a, a, a 40 and over group is it because so many people fall 40 and over really want a horn dog on young kids and therefore don't want to have their supply of fresh chicken meat cut off. And, and I bet you for some people that really is the case, right? That really is going to be the case because you know in that in the same way that um, folks who start up TNG groups, TNG being the acronym for the next Generation, And I'm not speaking about the Star Trek show in this particular instance, but TNG is a label that's applied to groups um, in the kink and leather and BDSM scene that were specifically geared towards younger folks who coming into the scene were saying, you know what, sometimes we just want to have our own space and not be in a room with, you know, hey, yeah, sorry, folks who are reminding us of our mom and dad. So I get it. There's a need for those spaces. Um, And so, in the same way that TNG folks have their space, perhaps. We could have an old fart space where we can all go and bitch about our arthritic knees while we're being tied up and make sure that we have uh, at least one nurse on call in case someone, uh, needs a little bit of help getting out of a particularly sticky rope bonded situation. But part of the issue that we face when we segregate is that we put ourselves into these silos and we don't necessarily have access to the new ideas coming in from younger folks or the knowledge and the history that old folks uh, are carrying and bringing in. Both things are so important. All of that's important. We also have to realize that there are people who are coming into the scene who are new, but are also old. There are folks who don't discover it. My husband didn't even come into this, into his reality, into his fullness until he was 60. And so how tragic is it for someone who has that emotional youthful energy to be siloed away as a dirty old man because of a chronological issue. Um, There just, there has to be a way for us to reach across the aisle, so to speak, and look at the West Coast, I think East Coast maybe, and see how the institutions that are in place that are supported by folks who have been around for a while are so vital and so wonderful and so fantastic and so valuable. You know, I, when folks ask me about how the scene was back in the 90s, and I think about myself asking those folks how the scene was back in the 70s when I came in, those are stories that we really shouldn't lose. That, that continuity, that flow is, is, is vital to any community that calls itself a community, that wants to think of itself as a community, actually maintaining those those lineages, right? That's a lineage. It's me learning from someone else. It's me getting the story from folks who've been around and then passing that on to someone else. And we can't pass those things on if we're going to recoil and be disgusted and be horrified by other people's sexuality because of their chronological age. So perhaps the answer is to just take a deep breath and step outside of our comfort zones and make sure when we are in these spaces that we are reaching out to the folks who maybe are a great deal older or a great deal younger than we are. And I mean, reach out in a way of friendship, not reach out and try to get into their panties because there's enough of that happening. Lord knows. And some of that is part of the reason why some folks don't necessarily um, feel that safe. But there is a beautiful and wonderful way to bring all the generations together and to make sure that everyone has access to everyone else, because the gifts that we lose if we do not have that continuity of story are too great. So next time you're at a munch or next time you're doing your kinky thing and you see someone who's maybe a little bit older and that kind of freaks you out, rather than backing out and running away, maybe reach out and say hi. Ask them how long they've been around. Ask them to tell you about what it was like before the Internet. Talk about those things. See what that exchange can feel like. And I promise you, you will come away with a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of closeness, a little bit of history that can help you in your own journey. Yeah. Peace out, friend. You've been listening to All That and Mo. Thanks so much for spending your precious, precious time with me today. My podcast is produced by Cody Crabb, theme music by Georg Friedrich Haas, as performed by Marcus Weiss. And I look forward to spending time with you again really soon.